Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Now playing only in theaters. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Attention, Bechtelcast listeners. We're going on tour. We really are. And it's not just any tour. It's a tour in the UK. And it's a tour where we are covering Titanic and Shrek. Brilliantly titled the Shrek-Tanic Tour. Yes. Uh, Shrek-Tornic. We're (gasps) working on it. There's a couple couple months before the tour. But yes, we are really excited. We're currently doing five shows in the UK with more shows to be added. Stay tuned Mm -hmm. at the end of May. Yes. Starting with two shows in London on May 22nd. One's at 6.30. That's a Shrek show. One at 9 p.m. That is a Titanic show. Then we are scooting over to Oxford on May 24th. We are covering Titanic. Okay. That show is a part of the Saint Audio Podcast Festival in Oxford. So be sure to check out our show as well as other shows at the festival. Then... We're scooting up to Edinburgh on May 26th and doing Shrek. If you're a Scottish Titanic fan, you are going to have to commute. And I know (laughs) that that's not. But listen, yeah, you live in Edinburgh recovering Shrek. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but also you're welcome. And then if you do want to see Titanic, you can head down to Manchester. We're doing a show on May 28th. And that's a Titanic show. So yeah. you're just going to want to come to kind of all of them if you live in the UK, if you live kind of anywhere in Europe or sort of just anywhere in the world. As your Bechtel cast allies in the US can attest to, our live shows are super fun. It is like a 
live episode plus a bunch of fun stuff. We dress up, we bring audience members on stage. Sometimes we do. It's just, it's big and goofy and silly. And we're covering two of our favorite movies that are Bechtel cast canon. So mm-hmm. we want to have a good time. Uh, we'll be bringing exclusive merch yeah and we will uh be doing meet and greets before and after the show we want to meet everybody and we're really really excited and uh tickets are already going fast because we released it to matrons first plugging the patreon really quick little perk for the matrons yep so if you if you live in those areas get those dang tickets because these shows will sell out yes they will so head over to our link tree link tree slash bechtelcast Grab your tickets for the Shrek Tanic Tour and enjoy the episode. <laughs> On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Jamie. Caitlin. I wrote you a letter because I'm in love with you. What? And the do you know why? No, you don't even know me. No, I do. And no, I know, you don't. I know that you love strawberry Pop Tarts and that I love strawberry Pop Tarts, and that's enough. Uh, what? I un- unfortunately <laughs> Not to break the Bechtel test immediately, but I sent that scene to my boyfriend and I was like, wow. We sort of had this that conversation <laughs> at one point. It was like the first night he stayed over at my house and then I was like, Oh, do you want to eat breakfast? I have three Pop Tarts. And he's like, Wow, that's all I have at my house. It's like, <gasps> Meant to be. We should keep this thing going <laughs> and never improve as individuals. It's kind of nice. Wow. Uh, th- so all that to say, um, teenagers are a- smart, actually. Mm-hmm. This movie is so bizarre. Welcome to the Bexel cast. My name is Jamie Loftus. <laughs> My name is Caitlin Durante. This is our show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens, using the Bechtel test as a jumping off point. For a larger discussion, the Bechtel test is a media metric created by queer cartoonist Alison Bechtel, often called the Bechtel-Wallace test since she collaborated on it with her friend Liz Wallace. That makes it sound like it was like this big project. It was not that. It was just a throwaway joke. <laughs> it was just kind of a day that they had. Yeah. <laughs> In Alison Bechtel's Dykes to Watch Out For from the mid-80s, there are many versions of the test. The one that we use is this. Do two characters of a marginalized gender have names? Do they speak to each other about something other than a man? And ideally for us, is it a nice, meaty conversation and not just throwaway dialogue? Today, we are covering a much requested movie. Mm-hmm. And I'll say it with a much requested guest. I feel that I'm just excited to bring her in. The vibes on our episodes with this guest are just sort of unmatched. It's like chaotic, good. Yes. And also I would say very Shrekian. And not for nothing. <laughs> not for nothing. Read the byline. It's right there. <laughs> it's right there. Uh, she's a culture writer. You can see her work on Substack at High Shelley, as well as Architectural Digest and Vogue. You know her from episodes on Buffaloed and Empire Records. It's Shelley Nicole. Hi. 
Hi, I'm so happy I'm back. Welcome back. I hikey forgot about the Shrekian. How could I? I mean, I need to put the mic down now because that's so rude of me. Has that so not rude. become your professional byline? It is. <laughs> it is now. Now that I'm yeah. solo and on my own, I'm changing my Substack from Hi Shelly to exactly that. that yes. Hi Shreky. Hi Shreky. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, a hundred percent. Theoretically, I mean, you know, Shrek Five is allegedly in production. So mm-hmm. if you're pitching yourself for reviewing it, I mean, you're like, well, who who are you gonna hire over Shreky herself? Who better <laughs> than me? I would love to go to the premiere of that. Wow, that would be so great. Oh my, my first God. interview. Guys, I'm going to do it. Now that I know it exists, I'm going to make Substack send me. I'm going to I'm currently spending so much like not I mean I haven't done anything, but I just think <laughs> about it a lot. Of like Despicable Me 4 comes out July 3rd. How hard could it be to get invited to mm. that like I have I like I do have to go. I have Shrek yeah. news for everyone. What? Oh my god. Tell us. I was at the mall the other day, right? Brag. I love that <laughs> sentence. I love that. <laughs> A very 1998 of you. I love right? this sentence. It's true. I'm setting the scene. I was at a store called Box Lunch. Who knows? Oh, I know. Uh, it's it's sort of like Hot Topic, but like a little. But I think it's like quieter. Quiet. Not it's quieter. not quite so hot, I guess. It's like a warm topic kind of thing. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that this was literally going to be like a sweet green or something like that. I didn't know. It's no. Like hot topics like conservative sister. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Like it's it is. It's it's like if hot topic got a desk job, but it's still all like weirdly like merchandise like merchandised stuff. Yeah. And they had a Shrek section and they had this um, a Shrek a section, you could say. <laughs> and there was this unbelievable sweater that was like a full cable knit sweater with l- like huge knit onions all over what? it. And then on the back was Shrek. Like 3D onions? 3D onions. Like huge onion like pom poms. Oh my gosh. It was really. Wait, Jamie. It was for the Shrek fan with like a huge amount of disposable income. <laughs> <laughs> was this at the Glendale Galleria? Yes. Okay, good. Let's go there and buy it. <laughs> it's called a business expense. Yeah. Gosh, I'm looking for... Okay, here it is. I'm going to put it in the chat. It is $65. I guess for a, a nice... $65? I'm like, for a sweater you'll wear every day for the rest of your life? <laughs> Maybe. I mean, small price to pay. Maybe. <laughs> There's also a Shrek hockey jersey. <laughs> okay, see, oh. this isn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I think it's tasteful. I think you could wear it to like parent-teacher conferences. Yeah. And be like, yes, I'm the parent. And people will be like, I feel like someone should call the feds because (laughs) this child is not okay. This child is not in a happy home. (laughs) Oh, well, okay. Let's talk about... Now that we're all caught up. (laughs) So today we're talking about Can't Hardly Wait from 1998. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Uh, I was going to be like, that was very cool. That was very cool. Yeah, it was very nice. Anyway, so uh, Shelly, what is your relationship with this movie? I saw this movie when I was in middle school because it made me want to go. It made me excited to go to high school. Or, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Like, I Mm -hmm. think I'd seen 
a lot of movies that year because I was looking it up like when this movie came out what else came out uh, Dead Man on Campus came out this year too which mm. a lot of people don't believe me when I talk about it that it is a real movie I was featuring like, never like seen it Zach Morris yeah and it's got quite a plot one of my favorite teen movies um, came out. The Faculty came out featuring like Usher. Right. Disturbing Behavior with like a bad girl crop top Katie Holmes. So all of those were like, I was like, oh, it's kind of like bad high school mm-hmm. or scary high school or whatever. But this one was so sweet and had like, I know it's a bunch of silliness in it, but it had like a cute little love story and stuff. And I saw it. I rented it at Blockbuster, of course. And when I did rent it, it became one of the movies that I always rented. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. because I would rent like two or three movies at a time and I would try to get a new one. And then like one where I'm like, I'm just going to watch this all weekend and I'm going to fuck this DVD up. Like, but I love (laughs) this movie. Yeah. And then. That's my relationship to it. Nothing really queer-based, really, because I I was trying to think of that. I will say this is one of the first movies I saw that I knew my answer to, like, do I want to, like, be her or kiss her? I knew I wanted to Mm. be Amanda Beckett. And Mm. and a lot of the other movies I saw, I was, like, very confused. This one, right out the gate, I was like, I just want to be her loved her tank top loved the hair Mm. i wear Mm. hairstyles like this to this day but yeah (laughs) i just like i love this movie so much i love also stand by it i stand by the fact that i think that this movie has one of the greatest soundtracks i have ever heard in a teen film it's good the boldness required to do the same smash mouth needle drop twice (laughs) you're like (laughs) Yes. What is this? A Shrek movie? Shrek one. It is Shrekian. <laughs> Opening on a Smash. It is Shrekian. It's like it was Shrek before. Sh- I feel like Shrek saw Can't Hardly Wait. It was like, here's how my <laughs> film like, has to open. I need that. I mean, mm-hmm. it's aligned. I mean, I'm just saying. But this movie is like fucking incredible, and I think it's the first time I also saw hazy moments in movies. Mm-hmm. Like for some reason, when Amanda or Jennifer Love Hewitt famous three named actress yes <laughs> um, i mean this was the era yeah she got like rupaul season one drag race lighting <laughs> in a lot of the moments where she was like monologuing her ass off but yeah i love this movie so much i love this movie oh jamie how about you what's your history I'd never seen it. I'd never seen this movie before. I jealous. I don't know, like why? Because I, I, I had like seen a lot of the '90s teen movies. This is just one that I hadn't seen for whatever reason. My personal connection to it is that I was employed by Seth Green for two years. <laughs> Wild. So I'd certainly, and I've written with. Well, I mean, Brecken Meyer's not in this movie very mm. much, but like we were in the same writers' room for. A chunk of time so I have uh, like an attachment to two of the guys in the movie and then also like without this movie's you know and I guess it wasn't a success at the time it came out but without this movie right. we wouldn't have Josie and the Pussycats and oh, so I, I knew it was like even if I don't love it Wait, I have to why? honor its place in history because the directors, directors Harry Elfont and Deborah Kaplan who wrote and directed this movie also wrote and directed Josie and the Pussycats 
Yeah. That's so cool. Right? <laughs> I did not know that. Mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this movie. I thought it was, I think like, you know, the places where it's dated is really, you know, dated, obviously. But I yeah. like mm-hmm. this movie, especially because we've covered a lot of teen movies of this era. I think it's doing a lot more than I expected in terms of like showing it, giving its characters some depth and some grace. And like, I don't know any teen movie that ends in a somewhat gray area. I'm really intrigued by because it's just like, not what happens. It's like, it ends with like a kiss and you will die with this (laughs) teenager. (laughs) Like (laughs) smash cut to 25 years later, they're still together. Right. Or like or a bet or a lie or whatever it is. Right. So it's like they're this movie's, you know, trafficking heavily in like stereotyped high school characters. But I feel like it's doing a little more in terms of like showing us the shades of gray to these characters. I I think if I had seen this as a teenager, I would have been like, wow, Preston and Amanda. As an adult, I'm so underwhelmed by Preston and Amanda. I'm like, Amanda, what are you doing? (laughs) What are you doing? Yes. The reality hasn't changed. Like. I had a, I have a, I mean, I think we'll, we probably all feel the same way, but like she was so right in the way she like cut him down to size. Mm-hmm. And then she read, I was like, well, sure, he wrote a nice letter because he's a big fan of Kurt Vonnegut, question mark. Was Which... he famous for love letters? No. <laughs> but like he has the romantic stylings of Kurt Vonnegut, <laughs> but like nothing, he still doesn't know her. She was right. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, I thought this movie was fun and good. <laughs> and I love Lauren Ambrose. Literally love Lauren Ambrose. I was going to talk about how like Dyke coded this movie and that character is she's going to NYU. She's like wearing all black. She's giving like Clea Duvall light, you know, who's also in this movie who's also for two in seconds. The movie. It's great. <laughs> Everybody yeah. is in this movie. Everyone, Everyone. is in this movie. Everyone. And I say this with love. I feel, but it's like, I think that in teen comedies today, because we have covered like some modern teen movies, mm. everyone does look so perfect. Mm. And I like that, like, I mean, even though some of them are kind of maybe visibly in their 20s, it's still like, I, I'm like, how do I say this in a way that feels respectful? But like, I like when they're like, yeah, they're playing teenagers. They can kind of look like shit and like be wearing yeah. confusing outfits and like yes. be sweaty. And mm-hmm. like, it, it feels like such a cool, like, because this is Deborah Kaplan and Harry Elfon's first feature. And it's like, you can tell they're not working with a lot of money. So sometimes people are just sweating. Yeah. And <laughs> Jason Siegel's there. And yeah. oh. I guess we'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, Caitlin, Yay. what's your history with this movie? I had seen it a couple times uh, before mm. prepping for the episode. It wasn't something that was like in heavy rotation for me, but I saw it, I think, for the first time in probably college. I don't think I saw it when I was still in high school. So I was by the time I saw it for the first time, I was just like, high school, I already did that. I'm not <laughs> impressed. <laughs> And then I feel like I saw it again within the past five years. I don't know what would have necessarily compelled me to rewatch it. Maybe just because I was like, I love Josie and the Pussycats. And I Mm. want to be more familiar with those filmmakers work. So I watched it again. And I was reminded that it's like, like you were saying, Jamie, a more, I would say a slightly more subversive version 
of like a teen ensemble cast mm. movie. I was reading because I, I, I was having like a half baked version of this thought. And then I was reading their, the big retrospective of this movie that was published in The Ringer uh, like five years ago or so. Mm-hmm. And Deborah and Harry, because we're friends. And so let's just call <laughs> oh, them yeah. Deborah and Harry. Of course you They, are. they yeah. said they're like, our inspiration for this was what if the party scene from Say Anything, say anything. was a movie? And I was mm-hmm. like, this movie has so wow. much Say Anything energy to it. Yeah. Like the the friendship between Preston and Denise felt very say anything mm-hmm. because that's like another thing teen movies famously can't do is like friends of the opposite gender not getting married at the end yeah. of the movie that's mm-hmm. so cool to know oh, Preston and Denise are so cool like it reminds <laughs> me so much of friendships that I had where it's like there's like not not any sexual tension between them that part yeah but it's clear they're <laughs> never gonna act on it and mm-hmm. like it's never going to happen. I was like, ooh, I definitely was friends. I had those friendships where sometimes you're like, stop. Uh, and then you're like, Ugh, <laughs> I hate it. I, I love the extra like, puh. like it's very <laughs> that. And I think so, too, because it's super like, you know, it's not not there, but they're never going to act on it for the sake of like, we're such good friends. Like, yeah, this would it be would so weird. Yeah, it would quite literally ruin our and i'm going to nyu so Mm. mm, i can't like deal with that like (laughs) and honestly like you don't want a kurt vonnegut boyfriend going into college dead weight you really don't no Mm -hmm. not when you already wear like leather jacket and lace like unironically to a teen party with your like (laughs) haircut and no it's just no no (laughs) i love that character though she's so cool (laughs) right All right, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back for the recap. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger 
feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Iberostar Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. And we're back. Okay, ready? Here we go. It's high school graduation, and all the teens are talking about a huge party that night. And there's a rumor going around that Mike Dexter, also, I was like, okay. Oh my God, the Liz Lemon boyfriend. Yes. Astronaut Mike Dexter from 30 Rock. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Unbelievably distracting. So distracting. <laughs> Incredibly. Because I was like, why do I, why do why I, I know, know that? this name? Why yeah. do I know this name? Yeah. Is there any world, I'm like, did they just pick two first names? Like, is it... <laughs> Or is that like, was the a writer at 30 Rock like a fan of this movie? Really bizarre. We don't know. We never but know. One of the main characters is named basically astronaut Mike Dexter. Yeah. He has dumped Amanda Beckett and it's a big deal. All the teens are talking about it. And then when Preston Myers, uh, played by Ethan Embry, learns this, he is elated because he has a huge crush on Amanda and he tells his best friend, Denise, played by Lauren Ambrose, that he wants to finish what he started with Amanda four years prior. Which was Which nothing. turns out to be <laughs> nothing. And if that sounds like a threat, it kind of is. It really, it really does. He's not not stalking her. <laughs> very sinister retelling of the plot. Of the yes. Yeah. yeah. So we see a flashback where Preston like misses his chance to give her a tour of the school on her first day of school because she moved there freshman year. And Mike Dexter gives her the tour instead, which led them to getting together. So Preston missed out on his chance. But now that Amanda is single, Preston is going to make a move. Meanwhile, we meet astronaut Mike Dexter, who is played by Peter Facinelli, a.k.a. Carlisle Cullen from Twilight. Yeah. Uh-huh. What a career. This movie is so rooted in, like, teendom. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. also the teacher in like the flashback scene when he was me mm-hmm. she was the one of the og pink ladies from greece she's one oh of the ones God. who sings like the toothbrush song in greece this mm-hmm. movie is like rooted in teen film history I'm and to really... then have this cullen come on <laughs> hello i'm really like fascinated by like and i i don't i'm sure that it's like rarely intentional but like an actor that is just like a mainstay of like coming of age like through their career like Luke Perry comes to mind Mm -hmm. like through his career he was always in teen stuff even when he was Mm. 50 and you're just like it's just where he thrives who knows why yeah it's just where he thrives Mm. you know we all have our little niche 
Yes. And I feel like, you know, Peter Facinelli, same energy. He was Mm. on, he was on Supergirl. Like he, he's for the teens. Who can say why? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, Mike Dexter, he's this like jock bro dude asshole type. And he encourages his other shitty jock friends to break up with their girlfriends like he just did. And they're like, yeah, that's a great idea. These girls are holding us back. Also, one of the jock friends is Sean Patrick Thomas from Save the Last Dance, which we just covered. So that was a 90s jump scare I wasn't prepared for. But I was like, (laughs) of course, he's there. Yeah. (laughs) Then we meet William Lichter, played by Charlie Corsmo. Uh, He's the class valedictorian. He hates Mike Dexter for bullying him for years. And so William and his like, quote unquote, nerd friends are plotting this like revenge scheme. Revenge of the nerds much? It does have like a little bit of incelly energy. Yeah, Yeah. very much that. Yeah. Anyway, they're planning this scheme against Mike Dexter and his jock friends at the party that night. Then we meet Kenny Fisher. That's Seth Green and his friends. And the thing about them (laughs) is that they are white kids who are appropriating black culture. And they are like called homeboy number one and homeboy number two in the like, oh. yeah, the t- the character titles on this movie. It's a, a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. <laughs> it's messy. And then yeah. the other thing with Kenny Fisher is that he is like desperate to have sex with basically any girl at the party. And he has this whole backpack full of like lube and condoms and candles and all this like sex paraphernalia. He's got like the sex equivalent of a go bag. Like it's just <laughs> yeah, really. The fact that it like flaps open too, like it unzips <laughs> all the way. Something about that never sat right with me because I was like, book bags don't do that. Do that. So that must be for something naughty. Another <laughs> like, another bizarrely sinister element of this movie. <laughs> yes, the yeah. boys in this movie are. Scary. So scary. Terrifying. Kind of across the board. <laughs> like, I'm not rooting for a single one of them. Mm-mm. Nope. Okay, so people start arriving at the party, including Preston and Denise. And Preston feels really good about his chances at getting with Amanda Beckett, partly because he hears a Barry Manilow song, Mandy, on the radio. And he's like, that's basically the same name as Amanda. <laughs> so he takes it as a sign that he should give her a letter like a love letter that he wrote for Amanda. Mm -hmm. Mm. Then we finally see Amanda on screen for the first time. She's played by Jennifer Love Hewitt. She shows up at the party and Preston's like, okay, I'm going to go give her my letter, but he's still trying to work up the nerve. He keeps missing opportunities. Then Amanda talks to her cousin about her breakup and how... (laughs) Yeah, it's just... I don't know if this is where the cousin stuff started. Like, you know how it ends up in Mean Girls, too? But, like... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, thank you, please. The, I mean, first of all, 
fuck this guy because he full on assaults her. And yeah. also fuck yeah. Preston because Preston walks in and does not nothing do anything. Like, nothing. And I know I know that he's like assuming that they're hooking up, but it's like she's visibly struggling, struggling. and he's like yeah. and he's like, Oh, she doesn't like me. I was like, You don't like her. You're she's getting assaulted. You're not doing anything, you fucking loser. Yeah. So what happens here is that her cousin Amanda is talking to him about her breakup and how it has like affected her sense of identity and who is she if she's not Mike's girlfriend and then he responds by like surprise incest kissing her and she's like what the fuck dude and then Preston walks in at the exact wrong moment he assumes that you know she's just kissing another guy and then he's hurt by this and Preston throws the letter away then Preston leaves the party and he's like moping about how she isn't supposed to be with someone else. She's supposed to be with him because he believes in fate and how there's like one person for each of us. Right. And all of his stuff basically boils down to like, she needs to be with me because I said so. Like, right. that's all it is. <laughs> because I fell in love with you when you walked in one time mm-hmm. in over four years. <laughs> that love has simply just grown. And I know I could have, like, talked to you at a locker or, like, a game or whatever. I've never been through this many rewrites in my entire life that he has in this, like, letter. Yeah. Because he says he's rewritten it, like, a thousand times or something like that. I don't know if that's hyperbole or what, but... I'm just like, you've never talked to her. How do you even know if you like her? Anyway, all right. So (laughs) then there's a scene where Preston crosses paths with a stripper dressed as an angel played by Jenna Elfman. Incredible. And she, (laughs) right. Love the sentence, love the scene. Mm -hmm, Yes. mm -hmm. (laughs) She tells him about this time when she missed her opportunity to talk to Scott (laughs) Bayo. And very 1998. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And how she's always regretted it. And Preston doesn't want to make that same mistake. So he heads back to the party to try to talk to Amanda. Meanwhile, the valedictorian kid, William, is getting drunk and letting loose for the first time. Mike Dexter is annoyed that none of the other jocks have broken up with their girlfriends yet. He's He does not realize how bizarre he seems just marching up to couples actively making out and being like, I need to talk to you. It's like, <laughs> you are the weirdest fan in the entire world. I, the movie knows that, but yeah. Mike Dexter doesn't. Yeah, he like starts to see himself getting sadder by like couple three i think and then he's like mm-hmm. wait a minute <laughs> wait did a i make minute. a mistake <laughs> sometimes i've like when you see just like men do shit like that you're like give me that confidence for one second let me do something that <laughs> Two fucked up like, and like have no idea <laughs> <laughs> yep okay so meanwhile uh denise is wandering around by herself she's having trouble like connecting with anyone seth green is trying to hit on different girls mostly to no avail until he finds a girl who is willing to go to the pool house with him so he goes to the bathroom to like get ready for sex but then (laughs) denise bursts in and they get stuck in the bathroom together because the door is broken 
And so we see some scenes with them in the bathroom. Denise calls out Seth Green. What's his character's name? Kenny. 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 Um, it's Seth She calls Green. him out for, for being fake. And she's like, look in the mirror. You're white. And he's like, what? Crazy. And then we learn <laughs> that they used to be friends. But ever since like high school or middle school, they've kind of drifted apart. And they don't talk to each other anymore. Mm-hmm. Also... Preston's letter to Amanda kind of fatefully makes its way back into the house because it's like getting stuck on people's shoes and like flying around the air and it ends up right in front of Amanda. So she picks it up and reads it and then she's like, wait, who's Preston Myers? Mm. So she starts we're like, exactly. <laughs> Who indeed? I like how they're like, how could you not remember him? I'm like, name one memorable quality about, sorry, about this child. (laughs) I will say that, like, that scene of the letter passing Mm -hmm. has been one of, to me, one of, like, the coolest scenes I've ever seen in, like, a teen movie. It's Because it's just so, like... I don't know, something about it. I was just like, this is so cool. I, I vividly remember rewinding that scene so many times like i just thought it was so cool i was like this is creative wow (laughs) it's like slightly a rube goldberg machine kind of thing ish or adjacent anyway it is it's visually fun and so she gets the letter and she starts going around asking people who and where preston myers is but no one gives her a clear answer right Meanwhile, Mike Dexter talks to Jerry O'Connell, who's in the movie for a few minutes. And Mike Dexter realizes that maybe it was a mistake to break up with Amanda based on Jerry O'Connell being this like former high school stud. But now that he's a college freshman, none of the girls want to date. I'm a dozen. <laughs> also, I'm sorry. He is not a freshman. He no, is like. He is. 30 he's like 30 <laughs> well i looked it up he and um he and seth are the same age i think that he just mm. looks more i don't know he just looks like uh he looks older than he is he looks grown as shit yeah, yeah. like because when they said that i was like what mm-hmm. <laughs> no but the name trip mcneely again incredible now Good. if that isn't a teenager make a high school kind of name <laughs> like that kid never existed, but he existed in high school movies exclusively. Trip mm-hmm. McNeely. <laughs> Wasn't there another trip in another movie, like a teen movie? Oh, trip with like yes. two Ps? Wait. I'm pretty sure, but I, I can't remember. I wrote trip character. <laughs> what? That's not helpful. Trip Fontaine from The Virgin Suicides? That's who it is because Woo-hoo. I am obsessed with The Virgin Suicides. That was nice, Jamie. <laughs> we did, ladies. We did it. Uh, that was nice. That was solid. Wow, Josh. Congrats. That's the name of the Josh Hartnett character in oh, the Virgin Suicides. Okay. In Virgin Suicides, yeah. We got there. Wow. Here's what I did: trip character. Then I clicked on the Wikipedia page for trip. Then I went to the <laughs> subsection fictional characters for trip. It was that easy. You did wow. it. Trip McNeely does not appear on the this list unfortunately okay trip erasure much (laughs) anyway okay so mike dexter realizes it was a mistake to break up with amanda so he goes and tries to get back together with her by surprise kissing her and she's like "Ooh, no like we're through and you're an egotistical asshole 
And then after that, because like everyone was watching this whole scene play out, a bunch of boys go up to Amanda and try to get with her. And she's like, ooh, get away from me. And this is also when Preston returns and like rushes over to Amanda. And he finally works up the courage to tell her that he loves her. But because she's so fed up with all of this unwanted male attention she's like what you think i'm just gonna have sex with you think again you loser and you're like yeah fair i mean fair fair yeah she was right but also she's that's who she's been looking for yeah exactly she didn't even know she wow. doesn't realize it she does not realize that he's preston myers the guy who wrote the letter and who she's been asking around about and she's rejected him nonetheless and so preston is so 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 sad and he runs away Jeez. we cut back to the bathroom and now denise and seth green are kind of vibing yeah and then he surprise kisses her because there are mm-hmm. so many surprise kisses in this movie so many surprise kisses <laughs> Yeah, in the the 90s in general. In the 90s, yeah, yeah, in general, especially teen film. Yeah, but um, she actually likes it. And then they start making out and then they have sex using the various memorabilia from his weird backpack. And the kinky backpack, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Cut back to Amanda, (laughs) who looks up Preston in the yearbook and she realizes that he's the guy who she just lashed out at and she's like oh no so she goes around trying to find him but the cops show up at the party and it breaks up the party everyone scatters and Preston has already left so the next day Preston and Denise are hanging out she tells Preston that she had sex with Seth Green and he's like um Ew. why'd you do that yeah. <laughs> yeah which also like who are you <laughs> like, i mean right fair. again <laughs> talking a big game and for what yeah there it took you four years yeah <laughs> <laughs> right and then preston tells denise that things didn't work out with him and amanda i guess it just wasn't meant to be and he's about to leave for college slash a Kurt Vonnegut workshop in Boston. So he's like leaving that day. And he's also at like Union Station in LA. I was like, you're about to be on the train ride of a lifetime if you're taking a train to Boston. (laughs) Whatever. I know that that's not where the movie takes place, but it is visibly Union Station. Mm -hmm. And then we tie up some other loose ends with characters. We get some text that tells us what their future holds for example william goes to harvard and forms a multi-million dollar software company and it's like okay mark zuckerberg vibes yeah (laughs) not rooting for him and then also Mm -hmm. like i thought like a pretty harsh ending for mike dexter both william and mike you're like it's very like revenge of the nerds era like Mm. geek shall inherit the earth yes right and then yeah because Mike Dexter's he like becomes a loser but there's a lot of like body shaming and like class class shaming yeah class shaming making light of alcohol addiction all of this stuff to like you know imply that he's a loser now yeah we see a little text about Denise and Seth Green and their like on again off again relationship and then the movie ends with Preston at the train station and who shows up but Amanda <laughs> with the letter he wrote and she's like 
damn, you're leaving, huh? Well, maybe this is how it was supposed to be. Bye. And he's like, <laughs> damn, yeah, bye. But then he's like, wait a minute. No, that's the love of my life. So then he turns around and he runs after her. And then they kiss. And they're still together to this day. And she writes him letters or something. And you're like, the end. The end. Oh, are we not? Do we not know what she's going to do with her life? No, Doesn't we don't matter. care. She writes him letters. That's what she does. She That's writes him letters. That's her literal life. Wow. <laughs> feminism. Another win for feminism. Whee. All right. Let's take another quick break and we'll come back to discuss. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom to do your deal. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas and more, or simply soak up the sun and sand in a tropical paradise, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book the exact getaway you want at exactly the right price for you by using our exclusive budget beach finder. Or find a featured all-inclusive package to Iberostar Star Hotels and Resorts and do your deal at CheapCaribbean.com. And we're back. Shelly, is there any particular place you would like to start? Um, yes, I definitely want to start with Kenny in the his, <laughs> uh-huh. his Kenny's introduction, right? Okay, yeah. so when I was watching this movie, like when I first watched it, I'm I'm in middle school, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think I had the words for like what cultural appropriation was. I just knew that he was like pretending to be black, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't know how at the time with my like young mind, young age, how 
offended I was because I was just like, he also wasn't the main part of the story that I was that I cared about, you know. So I was just like, this is weird because every time he came on the music in the background switched to like hip hop or like something Mm -hmm. Mm R&B and all that stuff. So when I rewatched it like a few years ago, I was like, uh oh, like (laughs) (laughs) I was just I remember being like, oh, shit, this is so bad. And then as I watched the movie more, I realized that when I originally watched it when I was a kid, this movie was the first time I started realizing pairings of black people right like Mm -hmm. even in something like clueless which it's so obvious like you know dion is with her boyfriend you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. i was like oh that's like fine but then i started realizing the purposeful pairings of like the black characters and Mm -hmm. i just thought that was so interesting because obviously i saw it in this movie too because they're the only two black people in the school and the popular group like um, mike dexter's friends and amanda's friends like Mm -hmm. um her name is tamara she's also in the wood and stuff like that i i realized her character yeah but like i don't know i think it's just so interesting that young me didn't not clock that about kenny but didn't wasn't fully like upset like i think gen z would be like if this happened if this movie came out now so many things obviously but if that part of the movie (laughs) happened i think a young 11 year old watching it would still be like a young black 11 year old watching it would be like uh this is terrible (laughs) like he shouldn't be doing that but at the time I just remember being like this is weird but he's not my focus so I just thought it was so Mm -hmm. odd that that was such a choice of a character yes it was and I wonder like you said like there was let and you know especially as like a middle school age person there wasn't quite the same language around cultural appropriation as there is now. And, you know, it's not something that necessarily tweens are (laughs) thinking about that much. But also I wonder if it has anything to do with the fact that like, this was like a pretty like white people appropriating black culture and like Mm -hmm. speaking in AAVE and like wearing FUBU and listening to exclusively hip hop and stuff like that. Like, this was a a movement. It was a horrible right. movement. Yeah. But like it was a thing that for the time felt normalized, quote unquote, just because like a lot of people were doing it and you saw characters like this on screen in movies. Yeah. From mm-hmm. this era. It was such a thing. And it was again, it was a horrible thing to have been normalized, but yeah. it was a thing. Yeah. I think the reason I didn't like Maybe the reason why I did, I knew that it was a thing because I did see it. But in my everyday life, right, like I went to a mostly black school and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it was it was kind of like if there was a white boy in our school and was acting like that, it kind of was like that's who he is Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. a few years later. I went to a school called Oak Park High School and then there was Cranbrook High School. um, Not well, sorry, Seahome. Mm-hmm. Birmingham Seahome or whatever and they were a fancy school and we would do this is so weird to talk about now but we would once a year they would have a select group of students come to our school uh-huh. and we would go to theirs for like a few days that sounds mm-hmm. like a movie it is and it was like <laughs> to us it was cool to go see their shit because they had like a really fancy school and all but to them it was like 
what were they learning? You know what I'm saying? Other than yeah. being like, oh, they're here, a bunch of poor kids. So I remember like going there and stuff. People would be like, there's white boys doing this weird shit over there. Like, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and it was like they were the Kennys and shit like that. Mm-hmm. But at our school, if the white boys were doing it, it was kind of just like, I don't know, a product of the environment. It was a little bit, it wasn't as fake. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So sure. when I was watching this, it kind of made me be, I, I, when I was younger, I just didn't clock it. You know what I mean? But now I was, just, even today when I was rewatching it again, I was like, oh my God, this is so bad. <laughs> this is it's so, so bad. It's like, I, <sighs> First of all, that high school switch thing, that's going to stick with me because what? Yes. Um, <laughs> well, that's kind of the premise. Have you seen that show, Jamay? Or Jamay? Is that what it is? It's a, it's a spinoff um, of no. Summer Heights High. Yes. It's an Australian comedy show. Oh, oh, I know what you're it's talking about. It's yeah. incredible. <laughs> it's one yeah. of my favorite shows of all time. But yes, it's similar to that. And we would do it, like Oak Park High, would do it with mm. Birmingham Seaholme. And... You know, we would see their fancy pool and like their top like of the line computer lab and like but thinking about it now, it's like when they came to us, they were what? Being grateful for what they had. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Right. It's like not and I don't I'm like, and what is the supposed takeaway from that supposed to be like other than like systemic anger but it's like do kids have language for that at that time no because when you're in high school at that time this is like early 2000s you're just like oh shit they have a computer lab with all colorful mechs you know what i mean (laughs) right like we weren't at least i wasn't taking away anything from it other than being like i want a computer room with colorful max <laughs> right right i mean it's like yeah i i i think when i was in high school my takeaway would have been like oh fuck these rich kids fuck them i'm mad at them i hate them yeah. and not like why do we not get access to this exactly i i don't know it's almost like children are not operating but i feel like hope maybe today's kids are are a little different or at least like ha- are a little more conditioned to think that way for sure with kenny yeah i i I'm interested to talk about him because uh, Caitlin, I agree that it's like this, it's not like this movie invented this stock character. This was right. definitely, I mean, I knew versions of this kid. Yeah. And I feel like a lot, like if you went to, I, I, I don't know, can't speak to high schools now bravely. Uh, <laughs> but in the span of time that we were growing up, it's like these kids existed. I, I guess that, it's like, and I'm not, I don't necessarily object to an attempt to, but it just felt like there's no real comment happening. Right. There's like, it approaches, like Denise calls him out. Yes. But that kind of doesn't go anywhere. I don't know. That doesn't go anywhere because she has sex with him two seconds she later. She has sex and with then, him. Yeah. yeah. She hooks up with him. Denise. Yeah. How do, how do we feel about how that plays out? Because oh. I was, I was, int- I was honestly surprised that it was called out at all. Same. But, well, then the other thing that sort of is, is approaching commentary, but not really, is the scene where Kenny's friends are standing among oh God. black kids. <gasps> yes. And one of them says the N-word. Yes. I think he's a- attempting to use it as a term of endearment, but the black kids are like, what the fuck? You can't say that. Yes. And then they chase him away. Yeah. And I think that's the only kind of commentary that was ever in 
90s and early 2000s teens film when you were talking about race it was like they had to have a white person say the n-word or like they had to they had to make that person like make black people angry and that was Mm -hmm. the only way to include black teens in the film was if you were using them to like again further the plot of a white character that probably should not have been created in the first place and those black kids don't get any lines like you get what i mean like it's not even rewatching 90s and 2016s film always makes me realize like because how much we weren't in the movies you know what i mean Mm -hmm. how much like a black president unless it's like a save the last dance but like again that is pushing forward the plot of julia styles like that's she for sure everything was around uh, around that but it was what i had access to it's what i wanted to see and like all that kind of stuff but in this movie specifically the amount of like fake blackness or attempt to like put black people black teens in a teen film it was so bad it's so it's like just unbelievably at best misguided because it's like yeah we have two white writer directors Mm. and I mean, I feel like it says everything that they include Kenny in. I would say, like, he's a, I don't know, he's a more memorable character than Preston. Like, yeah. he's, I, I, I knew about this Seth Green character. I did not know about the Ethan Embry character. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so for him to have such a large portion in the story and for his character to be so defined by how much he's appropriating black culture and then also, mm-hmm. like, seeing him effortlessly you know, like take it on and off as, as needed. Like in the bathroom, that was the switch. Right. It it blew my mind. And then it's like, so to put that much energy into bringing that character to life while making no effort to characterize any of the black teenagers Mm -hmm. that, or black 24 year olds, whatever, that, (laughs) that, that populate this party. Cause it's not a, like I, I, it's, it's more diverse than I, you normally see in a yeah. 90s teen movie but the but the focus is all, all on, on the white, white characters. characters yeah even though you have so many famous 90s black actors at this party especially like, what are you doing? This, and it was really wild too like even when they were talking to donald Faison when he was a, he called him a hootie you know what i mean like yes. the bandmate called him hootie after he called him like the white artist formerly known as prince and it's always oh, something yeah. like like that, like a black person has to be like agitated in order to be included. Sorry, a black mm-hmm. teen, fake as they may be age-wise in these movies, has <laughs> to be agitated in order to be included. Same thing for even bigger movies like Bring It On. Like mm-hmm. that yep. whole situation, they were stealing from them and it had to be a whole, you know what I mean? It's just yes. and still a great movie, but it's always been like that in teen films, even in Mean Girls, the unfriendly mm-hmm. black hotties. Are they unfriendly mm-hmm. or do they like not want to fuck with you because you're like boring? <laughs> like, you know right. what I mean? Like, right. Or like directing micro uh, or macro aggressions at them constantly. Right. Like, constantly. Like, you're putting that label on them and they have to be agitated in order to get a reaction or to be included in these narratives. And it was, it's less now because everybody's so focused on like DEI and all these kind of stuff like that, like the new main girls and all that. But, in the 90s they were like no let's just make black people mad (laughs) it was mask off yeah like and and, and even on top of like it relying on agitating black teenagers in order for them to participate anything that was said to or by a black character 
was connected to race like because yes. and, and I think that that is just an extension of like these two white writers cannot conceive of what Mm-mm. the inner life of a black teenager would be and it's like well no maybe they just discuss their own race in every yeah. interaction I'm like what <laughs> even in the um the scene too and I mean this might be a little bit of a reach but even in the scene where Mike pulls away the two guys when they're dancing with their girlfriends and Jamie Presley and uh I think her name is Tamara I don't want to I wrote it down Tamala Tamala Jones Tamala Jones yeah where Tamala Jones and Jamie Presley start dancing together while they're all the boys are having a conversation yeah yeah like Mm -hmm. I said this may be a reach but they're dancing to wild things and then essentially like the black girl starts to like pretend to tap Jamie's ass while she's like twerking on her a little bit I don't know you feel me like it's something like yeah even that kind of micro like oh this is how black girls be dancing like and then I there's I'm trying to remember the last time we had this discussion And, and again it does feel and like correct me if I'm wrong but like it does feel like it's very inherent to this era too where it's it just feels clear that it's like casting wise this movie is not going to make an interracial couple happen no. like it's the black teens date black teens the white teens date white teens mm-hmm. and that is like the movie is not gonna attempt no anything else which actually kind of like if you consider the fact that it's gonna be another three years until save the last dance comes out which like whiffs this same that like an attempt at an interracial teen couple yeah tremendously which she could listen to our episode that either just came out or is about to come out about save the last dance it's just like a it's a bad era it's a bad era for sure it's bad and that's what i mean by like that was the first time that i like noticed the pairings of like oh black teen Mm -hmm. black teen black Mm -hmm. teen black teen you know what i mean so and it's like then what happened was we started getting movies like um what's the one with christina million uh love don't cost a thing where it's like there are two black characters yeah Mm -hmm. it's like there are two black characters as in a teen movie but she's fair skin and like got soft hair you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and like it's that whole vibe and we get it and that's in 2003 mm-hmm. the only one that i can think of that even i think is done so well with a monoracial dark-skinned black couple and they aren't even teenagers is rylane rylane is one of my favorite movies of all time Ooh, and I've if y'all haven't it. watched it you should watch it it's like it just came out last year it's really yes i saw it at sundance i'm sorry to throw out that conversation but well, you have to okay. watch it it's done so well and it's black and it's british and it's incredible and you should just watch it. it's on hulu so nice okay but yeah. yeah but yeah i mean the reluctance to put anything on screen besides like a very rigid very stereotypical scenario when it comes to representation of race on screen across mm-hmm. all movies across all genres in this era and beyond in teen movies when they often have like a a big ensemble cast or like groups of friends like the boy has his mm-hmm. popular guy friends and then the then there's the group of popular girls so you have like a lot of characters and therefore a lot of opportunities to show that part a lot of different mm-hmm. types of people but the boxes that people get put in mm-hmm. and it's often again like favoring whiteness or light skin in general 
It's, you know, not exploring relationship dynamics that exist in the world, such as interracial couples. It's just like, well, obviously only the black kids would date the other black kids or, you know, right. just stuff like that. And it's, it's, it's just still rigid. We still see these weird, rigid boxes that uh we were talking about that off mic before before we started recording where it's like still very much an issue and i think it's like it is freaky to see it laid out so unquestionably clear Mm. especially with a character like kenny in as prominent a role as he is it's just like kind of unbelievable because it's a huge role it's good also there was like an interracial couple in this movie i just realized that that one guy that was kind of a creep the black guy and melissa joan hart's character they end up linking up at the end that's true in the cafe because they're both like just hyper they love love school they love memories they're like remember that time that blah 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 and they're like wow i love having a memory which he was kind of a creep but i was like i don't hate that end game because she was like not a creep but they're definitely both weirdos yeah, I'm they're both always supportive weirdos. of like it may be the coupling that ultimately makes the most sense and it's just like they were the ones who like I mean you just couldn't leave the movie without having an interracial couple they were like mm-hmm. we do it too and maybe that was the start of all of them in in teen movies maybe it was Melissa Joan Hart and maybe that's what it was I kind of forgot that I did I watched this movie twice and I totally forgot <laughs> also like if you blink, you miss it. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I mean, it's like they're not. Yeah, I, I think that it's like the amount of real estate, and it's like I think Seth Green does great with what he's given, but it's like he does though. It's not going. I mean, if it was going somewhere, I don't know. I mean, we'll never know. We'll never know if that was ever going to go somewhere because it's just like this movie. For all of the things I like about it, it's like not not only not built to have that conversation, but has no interest in any no. meaningful commentary. Well. Because the whole movie hinges on tropes and stereotypes and cliques of high school students. Mm -hmm. You know, you got the jock kids, you've got the nerds, you've got the popular girls, and none of that is particularly challenged. I would say, like, Preston, he, like, doesn't really fit into a a group. But other than that... Because he's not, like unpopular he's just not he's just for he's just kind of coasting forgettable yeah that's my issue with him is he is just like he is i feel like he's the stereotype of like teenage every man like he's just there i mean it's not ethan Embry's fault but it's just like he's just there he's just there and then again stereotypes about jocks are like Mm. put there and not questioned or challenged you know they're they're meatheads they're bullies they don't have any interests outside of sports and sex. But again, you get like a little like glimpse into like maybe this is going somewhere. And it's super over the top. I'm not saying it's necessarily like mm-hmm. super well done. But in those moments where it's like the jock and the nerd are hanging out together and they're right, having right. this like yeah. real kind of like intense conversation. And you're like, oh, this is kind of cool where it's like they're kind of attempting to reconcile. He's trying to drunkenly acknowledge that he's been horrible to mm-hmm. William and like they're having a conversation that you're like oh this that like moments like that I'm like oh I wouldn't have expected that in this movie and I wasn't even really 
upset by how that resets at the end that felt unfortunately kind of true to life of like (laughs) oh that was just one time and like technically Mike Dexter did do him a kindness by not endangering his scholarship and like making sure he didn't get in trouble and taking the fall for him and like that's a really kind thing to have done and then when they see each other the next time the dynamic is reset Mike Dexter doesn't and that felt like unfortunately like I, I didn't hate that beat because it felt more realistic than Mike Dexter being like, wait, you guys, like, that's not who he right. is. We're friends. Yeah, <laughs> I bought it. Yeah, I definitely bought mm-hmm. it. The thing that I thought was really cruel was like learning what happens to Mike Dexter after that. That felt like the movie yes. being like, he deserves this this like very again it's like it felt like there was that whole sequence where it felt like the jock nerd stereotypes were being challenged Mm -hmm. but where where we leave both of those characters are both very in line with what those stereotypes are where he grows up to like you know he's a cool nerd now and he is a supermodel girlfriend meanwhile this guy like it's all of these prescriptive like his life didn't turn out as well yeah he peaked in high school the way right and that's what i was gonna say yeah you would think that he would like high school was Mm -hmm. all that they had and i think that goes to like the writers too you can always tell how a writer feels or felt about somebody in high school Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like so you can't tell me that these people aren't sort of either writing jennifer love hewitt's character in a way of like oh i wish i wasn't amanda beckett and then writing what happens to mike in a way of like somebody that really fucked them over that probably made it and whatever made it sense means to them. But in, in this movie that I'm writing, <laughs> like mm-hmm. they lose. Yeah. You lose, you know, and you can always tell that mm-hmm. in movies. And what I was going to say about the whole, like Mike and um, the nerdy guy situation was rewatching like honestly a few years later this time I remembered it I was like oh that happens is all of the like queer shit that was just that is bad like because when they the pictures were supposed to be him getting caught out not just like in the kinky thing but like with a guy is the thing yes. that is so bad and then like Kenny's friends they dropped the f-bomb twice mm-hmm. and 10 minutes into the movie they call Kenny one Mm -hmm. when they're in the store and I think again at the party when they're like eating chips so yeah that kind of stuff and then I saw Claire Duvall and I was like wait we all know who she is like (laughs) like it's so I think this was one of the first movies where I like couldn't really pick up on anything that I was like queer queer coded I think the only thing I reacted to was when the girlfriends were dancing together i mm-hmm. when i was younger i was like hmm wait a minute that's that looks fun <laughs> like you know what i mean right. where it's right. the whole girls trying to get attention from the guys sort of thing yeah. but um that was the only sort of because I, I always like think and look back to like is there any queerness in these movies that i was like <gasps> attached to but this one i kind of was like n- no, well, not really. Not really. <laughs> like, which is wild because this is the team that goes on to make Josie and the Pussycats. Which is so wild to me. <laughs> they're just they're just warming up. Hello, Caitlin from the future, jumping in here with a little editing note. So in the original episode that we released, we have a discussion right here about Denise based on me misunderstanding and mishearing a line of dialogue in the movie. 
some listeners pointed out this goof of mine, and we just decided to cut that part of the conversation from the episode because it's based on something that's not at all canon to the movie, and it's based on me not hearing dialogue very well. So we didn't want to mislead listeners, so you know, we just thought it best to remove that part of the conversation. But it did bring us back to the topic of the Denise character. So we'll just jump back in where that conversation picks back up. So back to the episode. But it just I mean, I think it just at my core, pains me I mean, in in the same way where anytime you see a cool girl who deserves the best, end up with the Kenny Fishers of the world. (laughs) It's just yeah. like, it really, and I feel like the movie is at least a little more self-aware about that because it references the fact that like, they're not going to stay together, I hope, forever, where they're like, they right. broke up, they got back no. together. So it's like, it seems like it's a summer before college kind of thing. Situation, but, yeah. But it's still, it hurts to see a girl like Denise Fleming, who just really has everything going for her. Quite literally, like. Truly. <laughs> Well, also, like, it feels to me like the movie is kind of setting up some arc for her where she goes to the party that she's reluctant to go to. You see her just kind of like walking around by herself. She retreats into herself the way that, you know, many introverted people do. She has a hard time, you know, striking up conversations. And so I'm hoping because I didn't totally remember how the different events of this story played out as I was prepping for this episode. I was like, oh, hopefully, like, she meets a friend. It would be nice if she had a female friend who she could connect to. And it stinks because I do like how the structure of this movie allows for, like, B and C plots. Like, it feels like, in a way, just kind of like a really long TV episode (laughs) because, like, what's going on with Denise and Kenny is just, like, an episode of something. Yes. It's just a bottle episode happening Mm -hmm. in the middle of this larger narrative. And I like that, but I just don't like the stories that they're choosing to plug in there. Because even if we're talking about, like, say anything, a movie that I'm not, like, over the mood about, but we talked about it recently, and I think Mm -hmm. that, like, its influences are really clearly felt in this movie Mm. but like the the friendship between Lloyd Dobler and his best friend Corey is like Mm. we we talked about I mean it's weird to the extent that like his like best friend is just like it seems like her whole thing is talking about how much how awesome Lloyd Dobler is but it's like you get a lot of moments with them where it's like this is a very warm friendship that is platonic and like you never see that in teen movies and theoretically that's what we're getting with Preston and Denise but we don't actually see them together very much and I feel like that was another thing with Denise that just goes underexplored where you it sucks because I think the two actors have really good chemistry and you can it feels like a real high school friendship but they're separated for so long in these like romantic entanglements that it are not I'm bored by one kind of grossed out by the other yeah <laughs> and, and it's like I really do wish we had and also what's his uh even Embry's character like for the if you really look at watch the movie he's also not in it like that like his story yeah. is not yeah. super focused I feel like they thought like they wrote it in a way where they were just like, oh, you know that he's trying to do this thing. So right. we don't really have to like fully focus on him. And we know it's going to happen. And it's <laughs> so going to happen. Point. So mm-hmm. we don't have to really tell you all that. But I do think that you're right, Jamie. Their friendship was like, he knows the ins and outs of who she is. Like she didn't, why she didn't really want to go. She knew about this fucking letter he's been writing. And then like 
we don't get to see them really interact other than something that's a little bit like angry because she don't want to be there she's dragged yeah. there and well, all he that ditches kind of her and he ditches her so like immediately and she doesn't even get the opportunity to like which would feel in step with her character be like fuck you yeah i didn't want to be here and then you bailed on me to go talk to someone who doesn't know you exist exactly. fuck you like no yeah and i don't think that i don't think in like newer teen films either that we really like i mean there are more like platonic friendships between like people of like the opposite gender and stuff like that but it's always i still feel like it gets still very like slapsticky where they're like somebody has to be queer and like Mm -hmm. that is why like it still falls into the whole like i'm straight and this is my queer best friend and that is why Mm -hmm. we are platonic not just because Mm -hmm. we are are just fucking friends you know what i mean it's always something else like there's another reason why of course they wouldn't be dating of course Mm -hmm. they're just friends so yeah it's really frustrating and then in and then in the other corner we have preston and amanda and i i don't know i so we've sort of touched on this a little bit already where I like don't dislike Amanda as a character. Again, we get more from her than I was expecting. It just, the plot ultimately, I think, kind of bails on her. Because I thought that in the scene before, it turns into cousin incest. Mm. But the scene where she's like explaining from, like, I, you know, wasn't a popular girl in middle school. It wasn't until I moved to this school and like was sort of like selected, quote unquote, to be a popular girl and... I don't want to end this relationship because I don't know how to define myself outside of it. Like Mm -hmm. it was pretty like I I was like into that. I like that. I mean, you could argue in comparison to the other popular girls, she's very not like other girl types because the other women are really like bimbo stereotyped and they are like very vapid. Just yeah. Turn on each other. uh, If male attention is on the table and, so I found that frustrating. Although it is subversive that one of the popular girls has seen the movie 12 Monkeys and can That's speak to it. <laughs> like It's true. I, <laughs> she hasn't in her life. Let her speak. <laughs> I don't hate Amanda. I do hate that she's like, I always, like I said, I always was like, she was the one where I was like, oh, I want to be her, you know? And I mm-hmm. think I hate it. The only thing I hated now but I probably really wanted that she was like hot, but secret smart. You know what I'm saying? Like she secretly is like aware of literally everything that's going on, which we get in this monologue that she does where she's like hyper aware, but she couldn't. Cause like you said, she didn't have her own. She was not ready to be who she was on her own. So that was Mm -hmm. one of the only things I really was like after rewatching being like, we made her like, stupid for no reason or not stupid but just being like i'm just pretty and that's it like airy because it was very clear that she was aware of her popularity but like of a bunch of other things but she never put it out there because she was like this is not what these people care about and i need to keep being this person while in high school anyway so yeah right and then that gave her an identity crisis and she's like yeah, i don't right. know who i am if i'm not dating mike but then that to me sets up an arc where she's going to then discover something about herself maybe right, she was right. like and not just jump into another relationship with yes. a 
yeah, yeah, exactly. With a guy that's kind of worse than <laughs> Mike, because this guy, like, I read bad in different ways, but at very least a lateral move. Yeah, yeah. It, it's just <laughs> that. That's what I found frustrating. Is like in because she is very clearly typed not like other girls i wouldn't say that's a fault of the amanda character as much as how the other girls are written Mm -hmm. it does feel very regressive to be like only one girl can be hot and nice and can read and you're like it's it's actually most of them not all of them you know but it is many many of them uh but (laughs) But in any case, as far as like what Amanda's character, I like most of what she says, but then what she does mm. is often in direct opposition to it. I really liked that speech of, yeah, like how to like the identity crisis, but then what happens after that? She's assaulted by her cousin. It's this weird, horrible 90s mm. joke. And then she finds this letter. I understand why you would be charmed by whatever the fuck is in that letter, mm-hmm. but 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 it then it just like it's always in contradiction because I really like her speech shouting down Preston like we were talking about where she was just like you don't know me we see her receive a lot of male attention she doesn't want mm-hmm. uh, she has to like be literally physically pushing people away from her mm-hmm. the outburst makes total sense and she's right Preston doesn't know her no idea and that doesn't change it's not like all of a sudden they like. I don't know. I, I don't know if you if these characters absolutely have to end up together. I feel like there has to be some sort of like time passes or or they have like a long yeah. talk or like they can't not talk because it was literally the next day. day? It was the yeah. next day, not even yeah. day. Like it was like the party ended probably like what like twelve hours later. <laughs> yeah, and then she shows up with her angel shirt on and like hey. <laughs> Let's be the guy. You know me now. It's just like there needed to be some time passing. But at that point, we're already like, what, 80 something minutes into the movie. So they were like, we got to wrap this up. Like, (laughs) yeah. So it's like, I like everything she says, but it doesn't match up with what she does. And she's still just like tossed from one man who doesn't understand her and wants to define her based on what he's projecting at her to a guy, a guy that's going to do the same thing in a new and interesting way. Right. In a new way, yeah. And we also don't know what her dreams are. Which was so crazy because her high school quote too was, um, first of all, it was Jewel, which was very yes. aligned with me in I was kind of middle school because Pieces of You, <laughs> yes. I was like, I wore... <laughs> that song out as though I was previously an unhoused Alaskan person (laughs) like I like but they made her so I mean I don't know but it was something about her using Jewel as her like quote of being like I don't know who I am it was always something more to who she is but Mm -hmm. we don't get to ever figure out what that is we learn zero things about her because like it says like her future plans colon undecided but that doesn't mean she still can't have interests or like avenues she might pursue but instead we just know nothing about her nothing about her and i think that that like would really help the conflict that the movie is always sort of like restoking and abandoning about like her kind of crisis of self it's like well what okay you don't want to be mrs popular what do you want to be or like what parts of yourself did you have to suppress to be in this relationship successfully and that's that's maybe an in for preston of like you know and it would be the most hokey teen movie thing ever but she's like you know i just really love reading 
Kurt, Kurt Vonnegut. Vonnegut. You know, and it's just like it's not that complicated. Like it's right. like give them yeah. something. But the but it's like they don't there's there's nothing keeping these two together except that she knows that he is infatuated with her, but we were just told that she's kind of put off and disgusted by that. Yeah. Because that's not based on who she is. It's just kind of a mess. Yeah. And we don't know anything about her ever and he doesn't know anything about her her friends don't really know anything about her mike never really knew anything about her so it was kind of the setup of being like we're gonna learn some shit about her right like and then you're right we get that monologue but then we get ultimately nothing but i don't know i think maybe i wanted to like i think i was so attached to her because this is gonna sound a little hokey myself but i was very misunderstood Mm -hmm. and i was like oh she and i and ultimately she is misunderstood right whether it's like teen drama situation or not she just Mm -hmm. is and i think she was the first teen girl character that i had seen in a movie that was all the way throughout like she was just misunderstood she didn't really have any like growth or change or like come into the person she would like disturbing behavior katie holmes Mm -hmm. like she fucking figured her shit out by the end of the movie. All these movies, even Jennifer Love Hewitt and I Know What You Did Last Summer, which I think also came out that year. Yeah, same year. Same year. Same year yeah. She ultimately figures out who she, like, she comes into herself. And I think mm-hmm. this character didn't. And at the time, like, I wasn't. So it was a very clear-cut case of, like, yes, I'm gay, but I don't want to kiss her, this one girl in this movie. Mm-hmm. I just want to, like be her you know it was was crazy it's I don't don't know I mean and it's I I wouldn't say that I mean I think we've covered a lot of movies kind of like this recently I wouldn't say that she's like significantly less written than other characters Mm. which is sad and the bar is low something we're always reminded of (laughs) and I also think it's like that's kind of what tends to happen in a movie with 5,000 characters like that's just kind of like what happens in an ensemble comedy but it's if we're what we are told about her is underdeveloped and not really paid off in like how she acts but I like but it sucks because I like I do like her yeah Mm -hmm. I like her I like her I like Denise and neither of them are given that much characterization beyond the very surface level thing and meanwhile I feel like we know multiple things about each of the major male characters yes. we and do, that yeah. same characterization isn't lent to the only like two girls who have major roles in the movie so yeah pee pee poo poo also pee pee poo poo are oh. uh, <laughs> <Keep> please <laughs> I've got some more pee pee poo poo <laughs> okay <laughs> We've touched on a few of these already, but just the way that like the teens talk to each other and treat each other, it's stuff that's very common for this era, both in like mm-hmm. real life, because, you know, I was I was a little younger than these kids were in 1998, but I remember the stuff that people were saying to each other and how they were treating each other. Very common for that era, but as we were saying earlier the movie just doesn't want to challenge any of that behavior it's more just like presenting mm. it as a normal part of late 90s high school culture the way right. that <laughs> you know several characters 
body shame each other, say ableist things to each other, call each other mm-hmm. homophobic slurs. The nerds like revenge plan against the jocks is like homophobic revenge porn. That one yeah. was, yeah. That was the most, ex- I think I just like, I really detest a revenge of the nerd scenario. It They Ugh. age so unbelievably poorly Nasty. because now they're, billionaires and ruining the world i'm like i'm not i'm simply not rooting for him Mm-mm. even like my first watching like when i first watched these this movie i kind of probably fast forward after the first or second watch i probably fast forward past a lot of their plot mm-hmm. and that was one movie too that was one like range of movies that i never really touched i only needed one was like revenge of the nerds and there's yeah. so many of them that was one because there was a time i was obsessed with like an 80s comedy teen comedy mm-hmm. i saw one of those and i was like this is enough like this is they're all the same they are all the same they yeah. always involve something like it's either a deeply homophobic or misogynist revenge plan that involves a gadget mm-hmm. and you're just like this fucking sucks and it also like sucks for like actual nerds like it's not fair to actual nerds because they it makes them out to be like villains and it's like no it's just you can you can just watch star trek like it's truly (laughs) all good it's totally fine yeah yeah Yeah. the way those movies characterize nerds is characterizing them as being as toxic as the jocks just like in a different way and again it's just putting people into boxes and you know all that stuff uh, a few other of these pee pee poo poo things is um, <laughs> there's a foreign exchange student. Oh my god! And a bunch of oh, yes. jokes are made at the expense of someone who doesn't speak English as their first language. Like some of the kids are teaching him phrases that, like, they're like, "Yeah, just say this to people." And one of them is like, "Would you like to touch my penis?" And then he mm-hmm. says that to Preston, and Preston's like, Ooh. "Yuck!" And you're like, "Yeah, that is a gross thing to say to someone." But it's yeah. all, you know, like it's all, you know, it's, it's the same old bullshit. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. Also, there's the kid who steals stuff, and that favorite like- character for some reason I don't know. <laughs> why. I unfortunately I do have to say I was this kid at parties. <laughs> I was. <gasps> I once went to an MIT frat party my freshman year of college Love. and I got in big trouble because what the one of the boys that lived on my floor his brother was in the frat and so we got like the plug we got to go and I drank a ton of vodka and stole two pool balls Whoa. and just I was like I'm not going to steal them at all I'm just going to make it unusable I was just like feeling really diabolical and then I, I was somehow it was traced back to me shockingly I probably wasn't that slick mm. yeah I felt connected to the kid that goes to a rich person party and steals things just takes things yeah fair yeah I mean we all should be stealing from the rich but I feel like what's happening here in this movie is like a joke being made of kleptomania or like the mm-hmm. media's interpretation of that which is like you know a I real condition certainly a real thing i guess i was just interpreting it more as like i'm at a party at a rich guy's house no because you see him like steal from the convenience store you see him steal from the diner he takes the gumball machine yeah he steals a cop car which also we should be stealing from cops as well i just am like i think that that character i'm sorry I, i i appreciate like I, I don't want to make light of kleptomania. And also I'm like, this kid's generally doing good praxis by me. I don't see, you know, <laughs> see the problem. To me, he like was just 
like very background but that guy his name is chris owen he's from royal oak so he's from a city in michigan that's like five minutes after detroit and um he's also like just been a weirdo in so many movies he's an american pie yes. like he's all he's just he's like the a shermanator weirdo. kid oh god in american pie i'm pretty okay. sure yeah. who like keeps pretending that he's the terminator I feel like he's, is he also the kid in a different teen movie where there's something about pubes on pizza? I think this is. Why does that uh, sound familiar? She's all that. Oh, yeah. He's like the kid who has to eat pubes on, or it's his pubes that he get is, put on yep. the pizza or something. He, that's him. I've mercifully <laughs> wiped this from my memory. Because that came uh, up. She's all that came. I got to watch She's All That again tonight. Anyway, that's what that's happening for us. So, <laughs> but yeah, so I kind of just was like. This guy is just background to me, and I think like it was supposed to be like a kitschy teen thing, but yeah, 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 for sure. A few other, they're not really cameos because these people weren't famous yet, but it's like people who would Let's we would get go into it on to recognize. Um, you see, Melissa Joan Hart, she has one of the bigger roles of these like minor characters. I think she's killing it. Um, yeah, you've got Clay Duvall, you've got Amber Benson, aka Tara from Buffy. Oh, oh really see i didn't watch buffy i didn't know she she's there uh selma blair has a tiny little appearance yes, Selma Blair. jason siegel does and then breckenmeyer and donald Faison are in a band together and i think that they also recruit seth green and then form du jour from josie and the pussycats oh that's so cool uh, i'm sure i'm missing people but there's also um mine that i pulled because this movie is stacked right this movie mm. is wildly set leslie grossman who i fucking love so she's the girl that the original girl that seth green is going to hook up with uh-huh she's the one who's talking to her friend and leslie grossman is did you watch the good place a little bit. Uh, yes. Um, she's the main character's mom. She's also oh, in Popular okay. from the 90s, okay. which is one of my favorite shows from the 90s is Popular. And wow. Sarah Rue is in this too, who was also in Popular. She's the sheep girl who's like, you're all sheep. Mm. There's Jamie Presley, Selma Blair. Yeah. Oh, Leslie Grossman was also in American Horror Story. Maybe you okay. know from that. But she is so incredible. But my favorite part of the little cameos and stuff is just that i think did you all remember popular or watch popular no. or ever heard of popular to me it feels like a fever dream but i know it's real because i wikipedia tells me so <laughs> um, but sarah rue and leslie grossman are in this show called popular and it's like two sisters who parent their well their parents get married so they become stepsisters one's popular one's not mm. it's just so it's so good and i suggested everyone fucking like try to get your hands on popular if you can but right. selma blair yeah she's in it and then cruel intentions comes out the next year so yeah this is yeah. like she's on she's on the cusp she is like um, on it yeah this is just a deeply profoundly 90s movie head to toe for good reasons and bad <laughs> yeah uh, does anyone have anything else they want to talk about? Mm, I don't, oh, yeah. The only other thing that I have is that the song that um, Amanda walks into, like Sneaker Pimps, Six Underground, has always been one of my favorite songs, and it's because of this movie. Hell yeah. And I've always loved that song, oh. and I like had a little trivia thing where I was able to name that song, and people were like, why do you know that song? And I was like, 
can't hardly wait and it was like one of the best experiences of my life no like, way all oh, that rock i like did a trip yeah it, it was so cool i was like yeah this is secret and everyone was like all right i was like yeah i stayed in my room a lot when i was a kid so <laughs> but i love um, that that when the indoor kid uh when you have like an indoor kid jump out it's yeah. just it's really it's great there's so few mo- we, we get so few opportunities to, it's great <laughs> to feel seen yeah uh yeah i wanted to yeah the 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 double smash mouth you're not like Ooh. walking on the sun yeah but what about walking on the sun twice and i was like mm. that is an interesting question mm-hmm. uh it's tricky busta rhymes blink 182 third yeah. blind missy elliott it's just like yeah it feels good it, it feels good anyway does this movie pass the bechdel test <laughs> i don't think so I would say no. I think the popular girls talk to Amanda about Gwyneth Paltrow, but the context is still about Mike Dexter. And also, we don't really know those Mm. girls' names. They're labeled as, like, girlfriend number one, girlfriend number two, et cetera. Um, Damn. And then, like, Denise doesn't really talk to any other women. There's a few women who approach her, or there's, like, a girl who approaches her. Um, but again, we don't know these characters' names yeah. and the conversations are not that narratively important. So I would say, yeah, spiritually, no to passing the Bechdel test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like spiritually and possibly literally, literally. as well. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, if it does pass, it's nothing of importance. There's no meaningful uh, yeah. relationships between women, which which not for nothing does echo a lot of the issues we had with Say Anything, where it's like, right. Andy, and still yeah. I think Say Anything did a better job of like Diane and Corey at least talk do they talk about lord Mm. dabbler yes but do they talk yes yes it's like women don't really talk to each other in this movie it's Mm, kind of interesting however it is co-written and co-directed by a woman deborah kaplan uh Mm -hmm. and so you know i want to be sure to that that never happens and also two women producers are uh leading the the top line of this hmm. jeno topping which is kind of an incredible name uh <laughs> as, as well as betty thomas so it's not yeah. as if there's not women involved in the production there's quite a few women involved in the production however very very white production on the crew side certainly Damn. Um, so let's put this movie to the test of, of a real of a proper metric of a generation the nipple scale zero to five nipples where we rate the movie examining it through an intersectional feminist lens i feel like i can only give this like i think one nipple is even sort of being generous yeah it is a fun enjoyable movie but it's got a whole slew of problems just you know presenting teens being horrible to each other and like screaming homophobic slurs constantly without anyone batting an eye the two main female characters are both i would say pretty underdeveloped and their storylines revolve around some romance with a man and the again the kenny fisher and his just whole thing and the centering of white characters in general, all of that stuff. Also, Seth Green's character um, pees and then doesn't wash his hands. So oh, no! I think that's realism. <laughs> that's, I mean, the, teenage the hygiene do. of teenage boys is Disgusting. certainly horrible. 
I do appreciate any teen movie that doesn't end in prom. I appreciate that there's a character who's a sex worker and she's not yes. shamed for her job. No, she's a literal angel. Yeah, she's an angel. Yes. Um, but there's a whole slew of other problems. But there are some like kind of minor subversions here and there but not enough to make it feel a lot a lot of the beginnings i feel like we talk about this sometimes where it's like it starts to subvert something and then kind of chickens out goes and goes the, back yeah. to what you expect would happen yeah. yeah so i'll go one nipple actually and i'll give the nipple to the movie josie and the pussycats <laughs> I'm going to go one nipple as well. Yeah, I think that there are moments in this movie that creep up towards saying something. I don't know. It's so of its time where my I, I understand why there's a lot of nostalgia for this movie. There's so many like extremely 90s things about it. But I'm okay with leaving it in 1998. I don't think I'll be really <laughs> returning to it. I have no attachment to it. A double smash mouth drop. Why I could just go watch Shrek. You know, exactly. I could, if I wanted to hear uh, okay, the same fair. smash mouth song twice, I could go watch Shrek one. Fair. But I, I don't know. I think that there there is certainly stuff to like about this movie. I, I like like Amanda, I wish that there was more coherence with her storyline. I think that there, and, and I like Denise, and I wish that there was more coherence with her storyline. There's a lot of interesting characters in this movie that I wish were talking to each other, but they're always talking to a person that I, I'm not very interested in. Yeah. And that's a shame. Uh, yeah, ultimately very dated, uh, and I'm going to give it one nipple and i'm going to give it to jenna elfman's character because i really that i think is the one actual like i could say like firmly that felt like a subversive scene to show a sex worker who has a meaningful moment in the plot who is not shamed or blamed and moves the plot forward like that never happens and good for that scene (laughs) one nipple Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think from the lens that we're examining it from outside of my, and this happens with every movie I've ever bought on this podcast. It's been like (laughs) this movie in general to me, eight nipples. But from the lens that we are, yeah, the the lens that we're examining it from, uh, this absolutely gets like, I think, I want to say one and a half. And I think it's mainly because of Amanda Beckett's character, because that's what really made me love the movie so much anyway. And I really do think we were on the cusp of like really exploring her. But like you said, they chickened out with her. And yeah, I think so. My one nipple goes to just like, what Amanda could be mm-hmm. and then the half goes to um her outfit because that's been one of the outfits of my and I, I had that outfit like a few years ago I did a little, little revamp on it but no way half see outfit because um it's super cute and chill and simple but yeah mm-hmm. so one and a half one and a half nipples but eight Shelly nipples because it's incredible. Well, of <laughs> course, there's the Shelly scale and then there's the nipple scale. And then there's the Shrekky scale. There's there's this all. Yeah, there's a whole thing going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us again. This was, as always, another welcome to the Three Timers Club. At five t- appearances, you get a jacket. We've been oh lying for God. years. Someday. <laughs> I'm so 
happy. I love it here. <laughs> Come back anytime. <laughs> yes, Where can please. people Yay. check out your writing and follow you online, yeah. etc.? I am so I'm mainly doing a lot of work on my Substack. It's my weekly newsletter, um, and it's hi Shelly S H E L L I dot net. But you have to like type in the www.2 or else it'll tell you that like it's parked and that's a lie. Anyway, oh. um, and I'm A-O Shelly, A-Y-O-S-H-E-L-L-I on IG and hi Shelly on X, Twitter, whatever, mm-hmm. that part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah, so that's what I do. I love this. I, I love coming on here. It makes me so happy. Yay, oh, yeah, we love having you. Come back soon. Uh, you can find us in all the normal places, uh, Instagram, X, Twitter, whatever the fuck it is, at Bechtelcast. <laughs> you can follow our Patreon, aka Matreon, over at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. That's $5 a month for two bonus episodes a month, as well as access to a back catalog of over 150 episodes. Uh, this month, we are doing... What is What are we calling this month? Um, It's Wedding Webuary. How could you even forget? Oh, my God. That was literally <laughs> my genius idea. <laughs> And uh, yes, it's wedding webuary. We're covering ready or not and 27 dresses. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. So we're just going for the range of wedding movie vibes. Yes. Um, yes. So check us out over there. We always have a blast. Yes. And speaking of having a blast and speaking of Shreky, we've got our upcoming Shrektanic tour. Right now we've got shows in a handful of cities in the UK in late May. Check our link tree, link tree slash Bechtelcast for more details and to grab your tickets. And uh, that does it for us. I guess let's go to Union Station and board a bus to Boston. (laughs) Let's see if we make it. Bye. Bye. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. With the best all-inclusive vacation deals to Mexico and the Caribbean, booking your getaway with cheap Caribbean vacations means you have more freedom. Whether you want to enjoy snorkeling, endless margaritas, and more, cheap Caribbean vacations has your deal for that. Plan and book using our exclusive budget beach finder or find a featured all-inclusive package to Hyatt Ziva Riviera Cancun at CheapCaribbean.com. That's CheapCaribbean.com. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.